Welcome to the Elm City Church Podcast. Elm City Church is a community of people who are trying to practice the way of Jesus together. No matter where you're at, these messages are meant to equip and strengthen you for the journey. You can find out more by visiting elmcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening. Hey everybody and welcome to another week of Church at Home. I'm so glad that you joined us today, and why don't you, before we get started, just take a quick second to either like or share this video. It just helps us to cast a wider net so that we might connect with somebody that's interested in what our church is doing. So just take a quick second and do that. And you know, if you've been tracking with us for the past weeks, uh, you know that we've been in a series in the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians in the Bible was a letter written by a guy named Paul to a church in Colossae, and he has a lot to say to them. Uh, some encouraging things, and then some warnings that he's giving the church in Colossae. And so we're, you know, we, we're sort of in the series, but we've been really focused in on Paul's words that are very descriptive about who Jesus is. He's been focused on the person of Christ. Uh, today, we're going to switch gears a little bit, and we're going to focus in on the work of Christ, or that what Jesus has done for us. Colossians chapter 1 Verse 19 through 20 is going to be our text, and I'll read that for us. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So up until now, Paul, the writer uh, to the Colossian church, has been using some, as I said, very descriptive language for who Jesus is. And as we can see, I think this passage is no exception to that. In fact, this might just be one of Paul's most profound and powerful descriptions of who Jesus is so far. Right off the bat, in verse 19, it starts out with this tremendous declaration. Paul says that Jesus possesses the complete fullness of God. Verse 19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This is a massive statement for many reasons, but it's also a very timely statement because we know that one of the reasons that Paul is writing to the church of Colossae, the Colossian church, is to correct false teaching that is rising up within their community. And although we can't be exactly certain what that all was, that false teaching, uh, we can surmise that part of it had to do with a wrong view of Jesus. In fact, one of the most early church controversies was over the person of Christ and who he was, and it was centered on these verses that we see Paul writing. For instance, there was a guy named Arius who was deemed as an early church heretic um, because he took Paul's words in Colossians chapter 1 where he said in verse 15, that Jesus was the firstborn of all creation. And he used that to argue that Jesus was the highest created being, but that he was not equal with God. It seems potentially noticeably off, uh, especially if you've grown up in the church, but his teaching, Arius, and what he taught people and tried to stir up this idea uh, that Jesus is lesser than God, still exists today. It exists today in groups like even the Jehovah's Witnesses. For example, um, in their translation of John chapter 1, 
verse 1, the New World Translation, it says, In the beginning, the Word was, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. This rendering, of course, gives the impression that Jesus was a lesser God and not equal with God. So the same issues that Paul was dealing with concerning a correct view of Jesus some 2,000 plus years ago are still alive and well in our present day. And so this is important for us to talk about. Who Jesus is matters. It's important because it has implications for how we live our life. And you know, as a church that wants to practice the way of Jesus, we feel it really important to actually know who Jesus is so that we can follow him. A few weeks ago, Albie Powers, our lead pastor, used an analogy to show how a bank teller knows the authentic bills from the fake bills. And it's because they handle the real bill so much. Studying Jesus or developing in theological terms a Christology is important because if we know the real Jesus, it will help us to avoid the false one. And it's so easy um, to, to sort of make Jesus into who we want him to be. I know that it's challenging for me at times to, to just sort of want Jesus to be um, whatever I think he should be for me, maybe to get what I want or to follow my lead or my agenda, instead of seeing Jesus for who he really is and following him for who he really is. And so we just have this natural tendency, which I'm going to talk about related to our nature, um, that wants to make Jesus conform into our image. And so a quote uh, by Tim Keller that has always stuck with me uh, over the years is this quote. He said, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. That has always stuck with me, and I think that's our tendency is to sort of make Jesus who we want him to be, and oftentimes that resembles us. And so I think it's worth thinking about as we think about practicing the way of Jesus together. Another reason why a right understanding of Jesus I think is important, and it's an important part of Paul's letter to the Colossian church and for us, is because the ultimate goal of knowing who the real Jesus is, should lead us to greater worship of him. It's this idea that when we press into the nature of who Jesus is, it will not only help us to understand him rightly, but it will encourage us to worship him more fully as a result. This is why we see uh, a weighty and important descriptions that Paul gives us in the letter to the Colossian church. Here's a few that he has uh, used up until now. He says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, that Jesus is the creator of all things. In him, all things hold together. Jesus is the head of the body, the church, and, and on and on. Jesus, these weighted, lofty, important descriptions of who Jesus is, these huge declarations, and they're meant to drive us to greater worship of who Jesus is. Well, let's go ahead and shift gears here for a, a second. And I want to focus on the second part of this passage um, because I think it's really important as we think about what Jesus has done for us, the work of Jesus. Verse 20, And through him to reconcile himself 
all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. What do we see here? Well, there's two main things I think that we can glean out of verse 20, and it's these. The first is that God will reconcile all things to himself. And the second is that he will accomplish this, this reconciliation, through Jesus' sacrifice on a cross. So the word uh, translated reconcile here, it means to restore to an original state. It means to bring back to a, an original um, state of being. Uh, years back, we, uh, our church in Pennsylvania that I was part of um, got given this uh, electric piano. It's called the Rhodes Piano. Think like Herbie Hancock and Chick Corea. These guys made, made these instruments famous. And it's just such a cool instrument. Um, but our church got given one, and we weren't uh, in a place of using it. Um, and so I ended up taking this uh, electric piano home with me for months and months, and I worked at restoring. It was sort of like been left in a dank basement, and it was like, you know, getting corroded, and you opened it up, and you played it, but like the keys were out of tune, and it wasn't like a traditional piano, so it took a lot more work. But I just threw myself into this project of like trying to restore a Rhodes piano. And uh, it, it took months of work, you know, ordering parts for it, uh, cleaning it up, taking all the, the pieces off, the, all the insides of the piano off, and, and sort of like uh, taking all the corrosion off the, uh, off the different uh, stainless steel parts. And it was quite a process. I really enjoyed it. But the best part about that whole thing was uh, getting to the end and getting to a place where you finish the work and you like turn around and you look and there it is. It's like a restored piece of equipment. And uh, there's just something I think that deeply resonates within our souls when it comes to seeing things that are broken get restored. And I think, that this is just an idea here, uh, I think that's because the gospel story is a story of restoration. It's it's a powerful uh, story or image description. It's a powerful thing because it's God's story and it's coming to fruition in our lives in the present, like sort of real time. And I think that's part of the reason why uh, reconciliation and restoring things is so uh, valuable and important and powerful. Now, what does it mean that God will um, reconcile to himself all things? Well, let me first say that this passage is not supporting the idea of universalism. Universalism is the doctrine that says that every single thing or person will eventually be restored, and that includes all people uh, and, and uh, all supernatural things, even demons. Um, that's not what this passage is explaining, even though it's been used to support that for some. Um, but I think you can make the pretty strong case that both Jesus and Paul uh, don't believe in universalism. But what then does the re restoration of all things actually mean? And I think what it means is that he will, that is God, he will redeem and restore his entire creation. He will save his people and he will put all things to right in both the material, physical world and also in the spiritual one. There will be no such thing one day as a coronavirus. There will be no such thing as any virus, for that matter, in the new heavens and the new earth. And so um, God will reconcile, redeem, and he will restore. I think a, a good segue is how will he do that? 
how is God going to make peace with all things? And he says right here in the next verse, making peace by the blood of his cross. It is the blood of Jesus shed for us on a cross that brings us the reconciliation that we so desperately need. See, the cross is central to Paul's teaching. It's actually central to the entire gospel narrative. It's central to salvation and to all of history. Um, Isn't it incredible how we, even though we were the offending party, even though we were the ones that made the mess, that God takes the initiative to pursue and rescue us, and he doesn't uh, just wait for us to come looking for him, but he comes looking for us, and he does this rescuing and redeeming by sending his only son. And this is the utter nonsense of the idea of grace. We have a problem that we cannot fix. It's called sin. It's something that we are by nature, and it's something that we do by choice. And Scripture says it separates us from God. And then I love how the next part starts out. You can find it right in Ephesians, another uh, wonderful book that Paul wrote. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, he kind of answers this problem. And, and he starts out very appropriately by saying, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. See, God did not wait for us. He took the initiative to restore our broken relationship with him. The cross took care of our problem, the separation from God. And Jesus' sacrifice now gives you the opportunity to be made alive again. It's an incredible act of reconciliation for those who would respond to it. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, in the end, everyone will declare that Jesus is Lord. Lord. Some will do this happily, some will do this begrudgingly, but we know that every knee will bow at the name of Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In closing today, I just want to sort of invite you as sort of a next step to think about your own life and to think about potentially your own brokenness. Let me ask you this question. How would you right now describe your relationship with God. Are you good with God? Maybe a better question to ask yourself after that one is, is God good with you? And if he is, how do you know that? I want to suggest to us today that you can know. And you can know only because of the saving work of Jesus. And it's by receiving Jesus's work on a cross, this act of redemption on our behalf, and walking in his way of life that you can know today that you are okay with God. He's provided an avenue to rescue and redeem the people that he loves and pursues. And so what I want to do now is just take a quick second, and I want to lead you in a prayer. And you know, there's nothing magical about this prayer, 
But this could be the starting place today for you for a whole new way of life. Perhaps you're at the end of your rope. Maybe this time has brought up things in your life where you've really questioned maybe your faith, uh, maybe what, what the future holds for you. Maybe you're even now just kind of uh, thinking about like, yeah, like I have been held back um, and uh, I haven't maybe lived the life I've wanted to live or I'm missing something. Maybe you've searched desperately in your life in all different places, but you've never really found that thing that can satisfy or fulfill. I want to just encourage you today, try Jesus. Jesus has been offered to us as a free gift and we believe he takes up room in that spot in your life where maybe you feel empty. So I just want to lead you in this prayer and if you would, just pray this along with me right now. And again, as I said, there's nothing magical about this prayer, but today, maybe this could be your next step in following Jesus into a whole, whole new way of life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to, uh, to connect, even through a screen. We know that screens don't hold you back from doing your most important work. And so today, as we've, as we've seen that, you know, not only are you this magnificent uh, person and, and the, the work of Christ has been lifted up and we've seen descriptions from Paul's letter to the Colossian church about how great you are. We're thankful for that, but we're also thankful that God, you provided a way for us through your son, Jesus, going to a cross, dying on our behalf so that we can experience new life. Jesus, I ask that you would just meet uh, every person that's watching today in a profound way. And if, if, if there's someone out there today that is just thinking to themselves, I want to learn more about this Jesus guy. I want to start following the way of Jesus and, and learn more about what he has to offer. I pray that you would just meet them right now where they are. Uh, if you would just pray this with me in your heart, um, Jesus, I recognize that I have fallen short, that I am a sinner, that I uh, both deliberately commit acts of sin and, and, and a sinner by nature. And I have a problem and I need a savior. I pray that you would be that savior today. Would you come and take up residence in my heart right now? I want to follow you. I want to say goodbye to my old life and I want to walk in your ways now. Hey, if you prayed that prayer with me today, I'm so excited for you. Why don't you go ahead and let us know by clicking the box in the chat uh, and just letting us know that you took you you took a new step today towards Jesus and the new life that he offers. We also would love to hear from you. If you would just want to email us at hello at elmcitychurch.com, that just helps us to know how we can better connect with you in your next steps. Hey, uh, we are so excited about what God is doing at Elm City Church right now. Even in the midst of this crazy time, he is meeting people in different ways and in unique ways. And I believe he's making our church stronger and stronger as the days and weeks uh, progress on. Uh, I love you guys, and I, I'm so looking forward to when we can get back together in person. Uh, but have a wonderful day. And remember, Jesus is wanting to be exalted and lifted up in your daily life. So as we practice the ways of Jesus together, uh, enjoy him in the process.